with you, but it's, it's something that I look forward to talking about every year now. Because there's so much emphasis put on so many of the lightweight, irrelevant things that really don't express the meaning of Christmas. When they ask your children, no matter how old they are, when they ask your children what does Christmas mean to them, they should always say, it means Jesus Christ was born. It means my Savior was born. God gave him as a gift to me. That's what it should mean to everybody. I know you think it wouldn't be Christmas without a, a fancy, lighted, flashy tree. Or without Santa Claus in his red clothing and his white trim and his white beard. And without the story of the eight reindeer. Is that how many it was? Without the reindeer and the sleigh. But it is Christmas without all that. Because that's on the surface. That's not really the depth. That's not really the heart of Christmas, as you well know. And, and there's been a lot of discussion, and, and probably rightfully so, about the Christmas tree, what we should do with it, whether we should have it at all or not. Because it really does not express the true meaning of Christmas. But there's so many things that you can look at, and in them, you can see the plan of God, and you can see the presence of Jesus if you look for it. When God spoke to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, he told them that there was a tree that was forbidden to them. It wasn't a Christmas tree. It wasn't a flashy tree. It was just an ordinary tree that had fruit on it. At least it was an ordinary tree in view as it looked, as it seemed to be. But God said, this is a special tree, and if you eat of the fruit of this tree, you will surely die. And they had little regard for what God said as far as that tree was concerned, because they were overcome with a visit from Satan who told them that it would be good for them to eat from that tree and they'd be blessed by it. He lied to them as he lied to mankind all through our history. But they did eat of it and they did die. Spiritually, they died. God cast them out of the Garden of Eden because they did not obey him with regard to that tree. So when I looked at that and I started, I began to think so much about Christmas a few years ago, and I realized that there are a lot of us, there are a lot of us who have practiced taking the fruit from the tree without knowing what the tree is all about and without knowing the damages, without knowing the consequences of it. There was also, in that same Garden of Eden, a tree called the Tree of Life. And... It was near the, uh, near the tree of the knowledge of good and evil from which Adam and Eve were forbidden to eat. Nothing is said about what they should do with the tree of life, but they chose the wrong tree. They actually chose the tree of death. And this tree of life is confirmed four times in the book of Revelation when it is mentioned there as a part of the end-time plan of God. Because there is a message of death in the world through sin, 
And the Bible confirms that all the way through. There's also a message of life, which the Bible wholly and totally and powerfully confirms all the way through. And it's the message of life that we should be hearing and following and never adhering to anything that is from the tree of death that is sponsored by Satan. Christmas ought to bring this to our minds. Not because of a Christmas tree, but because there is a tree of life, and that's the tree that we ought to turn toward. I'll tell you something about that as I preach this message to you this morning. I've thought so many times, what would have happened if Adam and Eve had eaten from the tree of life instead of eating from the forbidden tree? But we won't know that because that didn't happen. We'll follow the word of God and the plan of God and the purpose of God as he makes it clear to us, though, that there is a message, there is a message in the tree. If you go to the tree of death, that's the tree of that Adam and Eve ate from, the forbidden tree, you eat of that tree, eat the fruit of that tree, the only consequence that can come to you is death. That's the result of going there. But God is a God of life, and God gives life. So it's a mistake in trying to attain life, getting to know more about God, getting to know God himself, getting to know God's ways, by going to the forbidden tree, the tree of sin. It's, it, it is the worst possible thing to try to learn about God that way, and that's what Adam and Eve tried to do. The fact is that they were showing that they really wanted to be God. He gave a word, a command. They decided not to obey it. Satan told them that they would be like God if they ate from this forbidden tree. They took that as truth, did it, and fell as a consequence from it, and the human race fell with them because they were the federal head of the human race. But disobedience and denial of God's sovereignty and rebellion, which is all included in what they did, doesn't represent life. But there's a tree that represents life. There's a tree of life in the Garden of Eden. And God has always spoken a message, a powerful message, oftentimes connected to a tree. I've just shared with you that there's a tree of life in, in the Garden of Eden. And the tree of life represents the source of life. It's put there by God. It's the only source of life. God is the only source of life. All life comes from God. All human life, all natural life, all spiritual life comes from God. There's a tree that represents that. First of all, the tree in the Garden of Eden, which was a tree of life. And then there's another tree. Jesus is connected to everything that the Bible presents to us. He is from the beginning and before the beginning, and he will be until the end, the end of the ages. Jesus is there a part of creation. Colossians says that all things were made by him, and all things were made for him, and it is through him that all things consist or hold together. He's the central message of the Bible, the central message from the mind and the heart of God, the central message to mankind today. It was at Christmas when we celebrate the birth of Christ. It was at the birth. It was at the death. It was at the resurrection. It will be at his coming again when he comes for his own. 
There's a powerful message of life and truth. And, it, and, it's, and it's all tied to a tree. When Jesus was born in, the, in Bethlehem, he had to be placed in a, in a stable, as you know. You know well the story. Mary and Joseph were there. There was no room for them in the, to stay in the inn, so they were pushed out into the stable. And when Jesus the babe was born, they had to place him in a manger. So the first, one of the first things in the life of Jesus connected into a tree. You've seen the pictures of the man, of the manger, some carpenter and, and who preceded Jesus had somehow made a manger, which was a trough for the food for the animals in the stable. They placed it in that stable, and they were using it for feeding the animals. And somehow they found enough clean hay to put in there, and perhaps some of the swaddling clothes in which he was wrapped to lay over the hay. He was placed on the hay to rest there as the baby. So in the very beginning of Jesus' life, he was attached to a tree, the wood from the tree that made that manger. The significance of that is that that was a sign that was given to the angels when the, I'm sorry, that was given by the angels to the shepherds when they came to them on the fields by night and they saw them, the angels saw the shepherds there and came and brought their message to them and their message was that unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And you'll find that babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Now, after a host of heavenly angels, I don't know how many there were, enough to fill the sky, a host of heavenly angels who sang out that message and praised God with that message, the shepherds said, we have to go and see what this is that we're hearing about. We have to go research and look this up and find out what this is all about. Let us go see this thing that the Lord has told us has come to pass. And so they did. They rushed to Bethlehem, found the stable where a newborn baby was born. And perhaps one of the things that helped them was the same guiding star that stopped over the stable and shone down upon it as the wise men were on their way from the east to find him there as well. The shepherds came and found him there. And it was as the Lord God had told them through the message of the angels. There was Jesus. In a manger, lying in the parts of a tree that had been taken, nailed together, held together, so that this hay could be in there, and so that the animals could eat from it. But now for the special use of having an infant child lay in that manger. So the whole story of Christmas starts with a tree. It started with a tree in the Garden of Eden, and it continued with the tree in the stable of Bethlehem. And as Mary and, Mo and Mary and Joseph there with little money to use and, and, and little of the world's goods to take care of themselves, there's the baby dependent totally and completely in its infancy on the plan of God, depending totally and completely on what God has said about this new birth and what the significance of this birth will be to the world. So here he is, lying there, not able to speak, because he's an infant baby. He is a human being, perfectly, completely, totally human. At the same time, 
simultaneously with that humanity, he is God. There he is virgin born. His mother sits beside him, never having any relationship with a man physically that could have brought this about. And he's born miraculously and supernaturally as the son of Almighty God. So he is totally God, and he is completely man, unique in every respect, for no one like him has ever lived in this world or in this universe before. Here is the miraculous Son of God, mightily formed by the Spirit of God, born of a human woman, and comes forth as the God-man lying in the manger, attached to the little tree that nobody knew when they cut it down and made it into a trough to feed the animals. Nobody knew that that would be a crib for the newborn Son of God, the newborn Son of Man, the one that God had chosen and sent into this world to provide salvation for every one of us so that we could, through Him, find our eternal life and share that life with Him forever. Here He is. And the, and the, and the shepherds now gathered around Him, telling them the story of what the angels had said to them. So the tree... The Christmas tree doesn't really mean anything about this, just, but it's, it's not necessarily a harmful thing. It is still, in this respect, it's a tree that's associated with Christmas. And this is the way I look at the, at the Christmas message. I think that, that we ought to, and, and, and usually we do, we should allow ourselves to see what the, the, the real tree, the true tree, the one that has the real message of Christmas, we should allow ourselves to see that in the Spirit. And with, and with spiritual eyes, what it is that God has done for us. I prepared this tree. You've seen it before. But there's the Christmas tree. The Christmas tree that you see in the malls and you see in the homes and you see out on the front porches and you see in, in the, in, on the lawns and all over all kinds of places you see the Christmas tree. But this isn't the real tree. This tree begins to fade from sight. The lights on this tree will go out and they will fade away. But another tree will begin to show, and you'll see the real tree of Christmas. And this is the real Christmas tree, the true tree that presents the true message of the Savior, the newborn babe, the Christ who lived and walked among men, the Christ who died on the cross and gave his life for salvation for all people who will trust him and believe him. That is the real Christmas tree, not We don't worship the tree. We don't worship the Christmas tree. We don't worship the cross any more than we worship the Christmas tree. But we accept the message that came to us on this cross. We receive it into our lives by faith. We receive Jesus Christ as the living Son of God. And He becomes our Savior when we trust Him. And that makes the cross that we're looking at now, this cross on which Jesus died, it makes that cross very dear to us, very close to us. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. And I'll cling to that old rugged cross till I exchange it someday for a crown. So Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law 
by becoming a curse for us. He died on that cross, on that real Christmas tree, because that's where the gifts for all mankind, the greatest gift ever given, was given to man through that cross. And no one should ever forget that the Bible says cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. He was hanging on that tree under a curse because he was made sins for us. Almighty God looked at him as becoming sin and made him so, made him to become sin for us so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So the Son of God became the Son of Man so that the sons of men could become the sons of God. He was put on that tree by the hand of God himself, nailed to that tree by the will and purpose of God for our sake. And in that real Christmas tree where the greatest gift of all was given, we see the tree of life springing forth because it is through that tree and through the empty tomb associated with it that the Lord Jesus Christ brought us life. And it's because of that that we look to him, not to the symbols, not to the celebrations, not to the merriment, not to those things that are attributes of the Christmas celebration, but to that truth which is the center of the Christ of Christmas, where he is the one who provides salvation when we come to him. The Bible says, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. And that unspeakable, undeniable gift that is given to us and for us is the Lord Jesus Christ. The greatest gift, the greatest Christmas gift, if you will, the greatest gift ever given is the gift of Jesus Christ, which Father God gave to us. For our salvation. So the greatest gift you have ever received or ever can receive is the gift of salvation by the grace of God. Through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the tree. On the tree. So he's redeemed us from the curse of the law. He was put there on the tree as God's greatest gift to us. So the whole story of creation and Eden is confirmed on this cross, because this is the real Christmas tree. Take it with you, and take the gift that God gives you on this cross, through this cross, by this cross. Take that gift that God gives you. It's the gift of his son, his life for mine, his life for yours. He gave himself in death on the cross so that we could receive the gift of life through him. He died for us to ransom us from our sins. He rose again to prove the value and the power and the efficacy of his death. And now he lives forever. He lives on Christmas Day. Jesus Christ is alive. Not because he was born today, but because he was born and salvation came to us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He lives. He lives. So without the cross, the Christmas tree is nothing without the cross. Unless you understand the real tree, that is the cross of Calvary, when you understand that tree, you have a reason to celebrate Christmas. You think about giving gifts? Think about the gift that God has given to you, to all of us. A gift is something you don't have to do anything to receive. I've had several people give me gifts, 
and of course it's always intended for Carolyn as well. I know that. But I've had several people hand me, put gifts in my hands, and not one of them said, Pastor, that'll be $10. Not one of them. Because when you give a gift, you don't give it for anything to come back to you. You give it because it's in your heart to give. When God gave Jesus Christ for our salvation, He asked nothing of us but to believe Him. He asked no price. He asked no sacrifice. He asked nothing from us but to believe that Jesus Christ died for us and that He is God's greatest gift to mankind and to the world. And because of that, my friends, you today have received the greatest gift in the world, the greatest gift that has ever been given to anybody, anywhere, at any time. That greatest of all gifts has been given to you. And it is yours today. It isn't wrapped under the tree. It doesn't have a little bow on it. But it's real. It's real. It's genuine. And that gift God has given to every one of us. Some of us have walked into the presence of God and received that gift. Maybe there are others who have not. I don't know. But I do know this. It doesn't matter what your standing is with God right now. It doesn't matter whether you're saved and have been living as a Christian for many years, whether you just recently got saved, or whether you've never yet given your heart to the Lord. That's not what matters. What matters is that He's offering you a gift today. A gift greater than anything you have ever been given before in your life, a gift greater than anything you will ever receive at any time in your life, that's the gift that he's given to you. And the gift he's given to you, listen now, the gift he has given to you is Jesus Christ. He has given Jesus, who, st- who gave his own, sacrificed his own life under the hand of God's judgment for you. So the greatest gift you can ever receive, the greatest gift you ever will receive, is the Lord Jesus Christ, who is offered to you by Father God now and always as you open your heart to believe him. Will you bow your heads with me in prayer, please? I'm going to momentarily give you an opportunity to to say, to say, if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior today. If you have not, if you have not ever done that, this will be a great opportunity today for you to do exactly that. 